Hi there. We'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We are Erin from Everlearning, Haley from Taking a Kinder Path, and myself, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves. We're gathering to have conversations about family life and home education, most specifically unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed education, or as I often refer to it, consent-based learning. We'll be sharing experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Welcome back to the virtual kitchen table. Um, it's Erin here today and Ashley and, and Haley's back. We missed you, Haley, for our last conversation. So nice to have you you back again. And oh, I missed you guys too. I know it was sad. <laughs> it, was, it was sad not to have you. So it's really nice to have you back. Um, and we have Esther Jones today uh, chatting with us as well. And I'm excited about that. We've each had an opportunity to be on Esther's podcast. And so this is just really fun to have Esther joining in today. And our topic today is de-schooling, but de-schooling imperfectly. So um, I, I mean, I guess we'll kind of each talk about what that means to us. But I guess in in the way that I've been thinking of it, it's this thought that uh, de-schooling is not a linear process necessarily it's not just you know you kind of keep evolving and 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 you know eventually you reach the end I think once we get into it most of us realize that there are quite a few twists and turns um, but I also think that there can be maybe we put some pressure on ourselves or maybe other people put put pressure on us I, I don't know we can talk a bit about that um, you know, to, to really kind of dive into this life of, of uh, living and learning alongside our kids. And of course, we're still going to have some of those old thoughts that, that pop up. And for me, I think one of the things that kind of initiated the, the thoughts around this conversation in particular, um, my daughter's taking a kind of a formal uh, provincial course right now. And once again, these thoughts, you know, I, I, I find things coming out of my mouth and thoughts that I'm having that, you know, I would have thought maybe I'd worked through or that I wouldn't be having anymore. So yeah, it's just sort of interesting to me how, you know, different stages of life, some of these, these things pop up again, um, different contexts. For me, I notice that if my kids are doing something that's a little bit more formal, uh, I'm not meaning to, but those kind of old assumptions often come to the surface again. So that's been interesting to me. The other thing that's been interesting to me is to see how those thoughts haven't necessarily phased my kids. They, they will often still hold their own in their um, kind of, you know, unschoolish or de-schoolish ways. And that's just kind of fascinating to me that I'm, you know, I can hold on to a lot of those old beliefs that, um, are harder for me to work through, but I don't know. I, 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 it's just, they can still kind of hold their own and really have a, a strong sense of themselves. And so I got thinking about the fact that I think a lot of this is about intention um, rather than perfection. So, you know, when we're consistently, uh, consistently kind of reflecting and, and just really trying to put our best foot forward as far as, you know, as I said, this kind of living and learning alongside our kids, I think it goes further than we 
might think it does. And I think that that intention can kind of override the odd misstep here or there um, that we might have. So, yeah, so I'm just kind of curious today to see what other people think about this, you know, looking at our own de-schooling journeys, um, maybe kind of looking at that in relation to our to our children's journeys. Um, and I just thought Esther would be a really good person to join us today because I know Esther's done some de-schooling workshops with parents. Um, and I just always really enjoy reading and listening to some of the pieces, even if they're not specifically about de-schooling Esther, that sometimes are just woven in to your, to your conversations with people. So, um, you know, if, if you want to talk a little bit more about that, Esther, that's great. Or if somebody else wants to jump in, that's fine too. Um, yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me today. Lovely to be with you all. Um, yeah, so for me, I think, um, yeah, I agree very much with what you're saying. For me, it's um, bringing that intentionality to it. So I think our de-schooling is this long, evolving process. And for me, it's all about curiosity. So it's about coming to everything with curiosity and knowing that I don't know the answer pretty much ever. So sort of allow, allowing life to sort of um, unfold rather than knowing what's coming. And I think that's quite hard for adults and parents because we're so conditioned that we should be in control, that we can make things happen. Um, but to watch this other human being sort of becoming, do you know what I mean, like living into their full selves with you is just such a joy. And And so... I think that I've enjoyed it so much from what I see when I do let go that I've become much better at letting go. But I do recognize what you're saying about those moments. But I think those moments when we kind of tense up or we can feel ourselves, we can feel that resistance, right? Even in the body, you can you feel resistant to something that's happening. I think those are the learning moments. And I think we should say, yeah, fantastic. Here it is. Ooh, what is it? You know, like, I think if we weren't having those moments, we would, there'd be no progress. But every time a moment comes, again, just being curious and thinking, why am I feeling like this? Or why am I trying to make this happen in the way I want it to? So I think the moments are part of the journey. We should never be worried about them. I think they're the most natural thing in the world. And, and to be embraced, really, because that's where we're going to move forward just that little bit more. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and I think about the idea that, um, you know, the idea of perfectly de-schooling is actually an oxymoron, right? Like, mm-hmm. like an idea that we could achieve this perfect state of, of, you know, you know, complete <laughs> mental freedom around learning and living is ironically kind of that schoolish thought that this is something that we have to meet. Um, right. And it's interesting that you talk about, you know, feeling it in your body, because that is the first clue for me. Anytime that I've been partnering with my child on something or maybe, um, you know, working on something and I can feel a difference if it's something that is externally. So, for example, uh, you know, like a provincial credit or even like sometimes like a permission form or for an activity or something, I can feel uh, just kind of like in my chest, in my throat, it feels different than when mm-hmm. we are going about our lives and we're kind of learning in ways that we've chosen where there's no, uh, we're not doing it for somebody else. There, there's not that sort of external 
factor. So I'm sure for, you know, for different people, it may be different. But for me, I really noticed that trigger is if we're doing something to hand back to somebody or, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I did start to really pick up on that a couple of years ago, this, this feeling that I would get almost like a tightening of my chest. And I was like, Oh, this really is interesting that my body does something different when there's uh, like an external expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, um, just one final thing. Cause I'd love to hear from the others as well, but um, I'm feeling that with my older two now who are doing exams, they've chosen to take some qualifications and some exams and I can definitely feel um I definitely feel that sometimes that's an external pressure added to our relationship. And it's almost like a third person in the relationship. Like, well, how do we bring this in? How do we navigate this together? Like, what is this little, what is this? So I think I'm finding that quite curious because I can absolutely find myself going, hmm, um, yeah, okay. How do I, how do I help you navigate through this as well? And how much is this me? Is this me responding to kind of an old pattern of my own about qualifications from school? Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And then I, one more thing, and then I will, Haley and Ashley, I'll stop, and you guys can jump in. But Esther, the idea of the third person. Yes, I never had thought about it that way, but I do find that that, and sometimes that can be helpful to help us work through some of those things where I'm partnering with my my child like sometimes there's external things that just don't make sense to us at least you know the process of even um registering for this course was quite uh difficult and strange (laughs) and i think the system had i think they were under a bit of stress and it was just it was all a little bit unexpectedly uh you know some twists and turns and i think that my inclination is just to get kind of irritated and anti-system and that's kind of where my brain goes but yeah thinking about that almost as a third party initially is irritating but it it was also a way for us to just partner um it just kind of supporting her and yeah let's th- this this third entity is difficult <laughs> we're trying to figure this out but let's see what we can do and let's see what we can sort of um come up with in in moving forward so yeah, I, I I like thinking about it that way. It really does feel like there's all, all, almost a third person there involved. Yeah. What that what that makes me think about as well is that actually the de- we get confronted with de-schooling. I think when there really are third third people involved. At the, we're recording this at the moment. I know it will go out in in the new year, but we're recording this just before Christmas, and and we've recently had an episode that's been released, the one that I sadly missed about um, being intentional through the holidays. And I think the the times that we get together with extended family and friends, those are often the times that we can perhaps get a bit caught up in the comparison game and thinking about. Um, maybe getting ourselves tied up in knots thinking about what other people's perceptions might be about what we're doing and I think that those times can really pull us away sometimes from what um yeah how we really want to be showing up with our children and how um 
it can be easy to get kind of dragged off our little path of everything seems to be going fine. And then suddenly we're in this situation where we begin to start doubting ourselves, perhaps, and beginning to worry more, getting more anxious, I guess, because we think other people might be judging us. And I think um, another thing that I was thinking about while you were talking was that the thing about perfection, um, my daughter and I were having a bit of a... um, a discussion let's say recently and um she was um mentioning something that uh, me and her dad weren't doing particularly well and i and i said a bit flippantly well at least you don't have perfect parents <laughs> and she said oh yeah no i don't um, in a, a very um in, in a very good natured way really and we were talking about the fact that yet yeah, none of us are perfect are we none of us are ever going to be perfect mm-hmm. and we're all muddling on along doing the best that we can and if we if we were this mythically perfect then that that has um implications for our children as well because maybe then they'll feel like they could never match up to this idea of perfection so it can be good i guess sometimes to stop and think that um you know, the fact that we're showing that we're doubting ourselves, that that we're learning, that we're open to questioning, that we're curious, those are really good models for our children to know that it's okay not to know everything, to get things wrong, to make mistakes. Those, like you said, Esther, those are the times when we, those moments, those are the opportunities for growth, aren't they? And where we really, you know, we learn so much. I was just going to say, you reminded me of a couple of things, Haley. One, well, maybe not even two years ago now. Um, this wasn't my idea. I got this from somebody else who's doing it. Maybe um might've been Fran from Big Mothering. Um, I think she shared this. I don't know if it was her idea or not, but we started charting or graphing or recording. We did it in different ways when we would make mistakes. And it was all around this idea for us anyway, the way we did it was um, we had been tracking um, our time outside, how many hours we had been spending outside and we really enjoyed it at first, but then it became something that just wasn't feeling right anymore. And this other idea around um, tracking your mistakes um, for different reasons, but one being to kind of highlight and even celebrate when somebody makes you know a mistake of any size. Sometimes they were like really tiny mistakes and sometimes we'd have bigger discussions about um, larger mistakes. And um, we didn't do it for too long. It wasn't something that stuck with us for too long as far as actively practicing that. Um, But I remember thinking at the time how valuable I hoped it was for my two, because um, I think it's hard for, for people of all ages, I guess, but maybe especially when kids are younger and vulnerable and try, you know, trying to, I think they feel that gaze from other people. And I know my two at times, um, one more than the other, but both of them didn't seem comfortable with with making mistakes. And especially if it was a mistake that other people observed. So we've had, um, not recently really, but we've had a lot of conversations about, um, and funny conversations about how nobody's perfect. And what would it be like if there was, you know, the perfect person? Um, but I love what you're saying there, Haley, about, about modeling, um, not just... Um, making mistakes, but just not knowing all the answers. And I'm often saying to my two, oh, I don't know, let's go look that up. And now they'll often just say, can you look this up? I'm asked that (laughs) many times throughout the day. Can we look this up? Can you look this up for me? Um, So I hope that that helps them realize that, I mean, it's impossible to know everything. 
And then one other thing um, that came up for me that I wanted to highlight, um, Haley, I appreciated how you said um, how it's not easy um, or sorry, that it can be easy to, um, how did you put it? You know, when you're on that de-schooling path and maybe you're feeling good. And I know when it's just me and the kids, I can be like comfortable and even confident with what we're doing. Um, but I learned, I want to say fairly early on when we started de-schooling that it, it was pretty easy. Like it surprised me how easy it was for me to, you know, have a certain conversation with someone or an interaction or read something that would just really strip that confidence away. I really did. It surprised me how easy that happened and how, you know, like four years later that can still happen, but having that awareness that from my perspective, it doesn't take much for me to, um, start to have that self-doubt come in and I've come up with different, you know, I know what works now, like having these conversations, um, listening to certain podcasts, I've shared this before, reading certain books gets me back into a place of feeling, okay, right. But it really is that third person um, in whatever form that comes when it's just me and the two kids, we're pretty good. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works. Yeah. And something I have noticed, you know, Haley, you were mentioning, you know, this time of year, there are often maybe more opportunities for those conversations where you're um, maybe just aware of how you're answering questions or, you know, it's kind of people are reflecting on the year, asking what you're up to, what your kids are up to. Um, something that I've kind of taken note of, and I think it's because now that my kids are older, it's a little bit different because they're not, people aren't asking about homeschooling anymore. They're asking, you know, what my kids are up to. And so then that's sometimes a conversation about what their kids are up to. And I mean, not always, but I noticed that actually, I think a lot of people have a bit of trepidation or hesitancy about how to answer those questions. Because I think when kids are in school, it's, that's kind of what people often talk about, you know, they're in this grade and, and it's, it's fairly, it's, it can be kind of a contained conversation when you're talking with, with people who have their kids in school. But what I'm finding now is that people are, um, people's kids are making maybe different decisions than they'd anticipated, or maybe they'll begin a degree and it's not for them. So they'll change paths or they want to take a year off or they want to travel or they're not sure what they want to do. Um, or they're in relationships that they thought would go a certain way and they don't. So there are kind of all these different pieces. And I think that there are actually many people, even outside of the homeschool world, who are having those same feelings. It's just probably that we've been aware of them for longer because, you know, it's it's kind of those questions that you tend to get. But now I feel like I'm noticing that in my conversations with other people that, you know, they're they're stumbling a little bit to, you know, I don't even think it's necessarily uh, self-consciousness or embarrassment. I think people also want those little sound bites, it's very hard to describe your kids and your kids' passions and what, what they're up to. And so I think other people find that too. And I think having kind of come through this homeschool path, sometimes it can actually make those conversations easier for people. Because at times I've been able to be more um, understanding maybe 
than they maybe expected me to be. So they might be kind of saying, well, they started here and I think they're going to go back, but they're not. And, you know, I can just hopefully offer a presence that shows that, you know, my interest in what their son or daughter or, or, you know, relative is doing is not about it being achievement oriented or them staying with the exact diploma they were going with. And I think it feels kind of freeing for people. So, you know, maybe there's something that we can even bring to the table in our conversations with people, but in kind of admitting our own, you know, wobbliness or trepidation, sometimes it just kind of creates a a more authentic communication. Um, I think that's really interesting, Erin, because I've actually had that conversation with a few good friends quite recently, particularly children um, doing, uh, going to university, changing course, dropping out of university, that sort of thing. And I think you're absolutely right, because I found that they have received quite a lot of negative. Um, well, I found that they blame themselves and they're quite hard on themselves sometimes. Whereas I've, my thoughts around it are always, wow, that's great. This kid knows their mind. How wonderful that they've just tried something. And because we go through this all the time, we spent years trying things and going, Do you know what, actually? And we celebrate the, uh, the no as much as the yes now because it's just as valuable. And I think, you know, a kid at 19, he said, do you know chemistry is not for me? Well, I think that's to be celebrated if, if chemistry is not for them. That's good to know that at 19. And so I always sort of, yeah, I absolutely hold that space for them. It's like, and, and I hear themselves giving themselves a hard time. But actually, I think, well, you, you know, you've, you've brought up this kid who knows their mind. What a great, you know, what a great thing that is. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that I'm coming across, I guess, because my children are edging up to that age as well. So that's the, um, yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting observation. Mm. I mean, it's it's such a powerful idea that you have to finish what you've started is definitely yeah. one of those entrenched beliefs, I think, that that um, I know for me, definitely, that I've had to do some de-schooling around. And, and the idea that if you're going to do something, then you've got to do it well, that kind of mm-hmm. that can, again, coming back to perfectionism, those things can limit us so much in 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 life, can't they? That the, the fact that, you know, we end up spending years procrastinating about things because we don't think that we could do them as well you know as well there are always going to be people who could do things better than us so if we are stuck in that thinking then that can hold us back from so many things and I think um yeah hopefully that the the de-schooling that we're doing hopefully our children aren't going to be held back by those same beliefs in the same way that perhaps we might feel that that we are sometimes so it, yeah that that you can see why people would think oh you know stopping mid-year and changing a uh, changing your major or or just um you know deciding to leave a, a college course or leaving a job or whatever that you know that that can be very powerful for people if they're you know if they are you know dealing very much with that voice in their head that's saying that you have to finish what you've started that's that's um yeah that's tough isn't it i think all those all the things that you have to do and you should do and i've been reading a lot about this recently in the context of non-violent communication 
And this idea that every time that we're doing something because we are obliged to, we're told to, it's the thing we have to do, we're really disconnecting from the joy of doing the thing that we're made to do. And so I'm sort of I'm watching my children now and I'm noticing when they do something because they want to, even if it's really challenging, it's filled with joy and life. They do something because they feel they should. It's not. It's sort of, you know, it's like tired and resistant and nobody enjoys it. And you think, oh, that doesn't really have much value to it. So I think that, Haley, that, yeah, exactly. We're trained to, conditioned to believe we've got to do things, even if we don't want to. But I'm not sure we bring anything to the world when we do that. Okay. They're probably not ours to do, you know. <laughs> Maybe someone else should be doing that thing or, you know, um, yeah, I, I've come to see all of this, just this um, constant reconnecting with ourselves, the constant going back to who am I? This is what all the voices say, but who am I? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it even... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go on, Erin. <laughs> no, go ahead, Haley. My, my father's only half born, so... <laughs> go no. ahead. Well, I was just thinking about... Um, about the messages we receive as 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 children I, i'm thinking it just popped into my head really the the thing about um children in a classroom you know hopefully this doesn't matter this doesn't happen as much as it did when i was at school but the idea that you know you can't just go to the toilet when you want to and you can't just have a drink when you want to and and things like that those a lot of uh, the de-schooling that we're doing we have to go a bit easy on ourselves and remember that so much of this is from so long ago from you know the the kind of beliefs and ideas that we have in our heads a lot of them are formed when we're so little that we have I think yeah we've really got to be kind to ourselves about this because that those times when maybe we were told that we couldn't go to the toilet when we needed it or we couldn't have a drink those those things those messages are kind of disconnecting us from our inner um you know from our inner knowing that they're disconnecting us from what we what we need as humans and we begin you know if we then start shutting those things down it can take a long time for us to open them up again and to be able to trust what our body's telling us and um yeah and to be able to listen into those those um those messages that actually are there designed to to you know to keep us safe and healthy and so it it's yeah, I think it just the, the message of being kind to ourselves is really important, isn't it? Because it's these are um, yeah long entrenched conditioning that we've been exposed to, like you were saying, Esther. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, and I think that you know I I've noticed for myself, and I've heard other people say this that you know, to be easy on ourselves as well, but those feelings. So, you know, the, the word that comes up for me sometimes is resentment because if I'm honest with myself, right. And then I, you know, I want to reflect on that and I want to work through that. But when I see my child having a lot of freedom and making decisions and then actually feeling free, even from the outcome, because they know they're going to be unconditionally loved anyway. There's no, you know, because I think sometimes many of us kind of coming up through systems, not that we wouldn't have been unconditionally loved, 
if or accepted if we hadn't passed a certain course. But for some reason, there was a feeling that we might, there, there was this feeling that this must be passed, this exam must be passed, and it must be passed by this particular time, and you must get this mark, or you'll miss the opportunity to apply here or to learn this skill or whatever. And so to just watch our kids in their own skin feeling you know, relaxed (laughs) and not that they don't have some things to work through, but relaxed and free. And um, I guess just so self-aware and so, so, uh, so we use the word entitled, you know, often it's negatively. So I'm not sure entitled is the word I'm looking for, but just so able to understand that, that they can have a range of options and that's, that's fine. They can do that. And I think when we've come up not having those, for me, I there are sometimes I can feel like a, a line in my head that will say, you know, oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> or, or like, <laughs> you know, just, you know, if things are, I'm a little tired and I'm not very resourced or there's a bit of friction around something, it can really feel like um, just almost a resentment that they kind of have this life, even though I wouldn't trade it. And even though I've seen that they can, they they do work hard and they do, you know, pursue things they're interested in and they are kind people and they are considerate people. Those voices of, if we don't make them do this the way I was made to do it, what might happen? Even when Mm -hmm. I'm watching proof right there that they're a responsible person there's something a little bit that niggles at me that they didn't have to jump those hoops (laughs) to become a responsible person. And that's kind of hard to feel about your own child. But I, I do hear that from people that these pieces pop up. So I don't think, yeah. And I think I hear it even when, when, you know, I've had conversations with people who have younger children, but I do find as kids get older, it's even a little bit more that way. I think when we think about ourselves, when we're young, we do remember, you know, play and things like that but those stakes feel higher i think as you get older and you get into the the uh higher ages but yeah yeah i was just gonna say i have a lot i feel like i have a lot of unformed thoughts around this but as i'm listening i'm just thinking about how much time i spend (laughs) thinking about these things in regards to my kids but then of myself as well. So the de-schooling process, just how much I have to think back to um, what my experiences were growing up in my home and at school um, and how, you know, all those messages that I received um, around what makes me a good person and what makes me valuable. And I know the word or the like people talk about um, being a people pleaser now. Um, And I still see so much of that messaging um, that adults are now still giving children around, um, you know, not that you would say necessarily say put your um, put other people's feelings ahead of your own, but that type of messaging around, well, how did you make that other person feel? And if you do this, how do you think they'll feel? And um, all the messages even around kindness. And I'm not saying (laughs) that there's not. Um, value in that and of course we want our children to be kind but I think it comes like I want to trust that my children are kind naturally and that when they 
are in a place where they can show kindness, they will, but I don't, so, and I don't want to be sending them the message to be kind to others, be kind, because I feel like it comes from that place of fear of, oh my gosh, are they going to go out in the world and not be kind to others? Because of course we want our, we want all of our family members to be kind people, but I want to trust that they are. Um, But that doesn't, going back to being perfect, they're not always going to be the most kind person every single day and that's okay. Um, And I think what would be, what we really need as children is more encouragement around the, how to be kind to yourself um, and how to take care of yourself and how to take care of all those big emotions that do and will continue to come up for you. Because I think when we feel that we can be kind to ourselves and that we expect other people to be kind to us and help care for us, then we'll be in a place more often where we can be kind to others. Um, so that, that that kindness piece is coming up, but there's there's more of what I was thinking about when you guys were talking about, um, yeah, what does it mean to be a good person? Um, because, yeah, and kindness was one for me. That was a big one for me. The message I got for whatever reason was, you know, how can I be kind to other people? Um, but it comes up in other ways too around, um, you know, I look at what our children see is celebrated from other kids, right? Like in or outside of school, the the kids, because our kids are so observant, they notice, right? When, when there's certain kids who are often praised or celebrated for not causing any trouble or getting good marks or always being kind to others. And, and then you've, yeah, you've got some of those kids who, um, you know, maybe just have, they're just different and they just have different um, struggles and they show up in different ways, but, but it's not celebrated as much. So I go back to that a lot um, around the, the messages that we intend, but also don't intend to give to our kids and how they do as we're talking today, that we carry that with us into adulthood. Like it has such an impact that really lasts with them. And, and I, I can say that with so much confidence because just as like, that's been my experience as a human being. Um, it's so easy for me to feel and think about, um, and maybe because I've practiced de-schooling for um, a number of years now, that's helped me have that time to reflect and realize that. Um, but that's the type of stuff that helps me try to keep in mind um, the messaging that, especially the messaging that I'm sending my kids or that others are sending the kids and we, we don't even realize we're doing it. Um, and just, just taking the time to think about all of that. Sorry, that was a bit of a ramble as I usually go on. (laughs) I think the self-compassion piece is absolutely huge. I was laughing with someone the other day. Oh, it was my, my last podcast guest about how we both sort of come across the world's word self-compassion a few years and go, oh, who would have known? <laughs> but like, oh, this is a thing. Being nice to ourselves, you know, and I and now I've understood that it is at the core of everything, really, in that, um, and I practice this a lot, and I make sure that I don't give myself a hard time if I get something wrong, and I certainly don't, wouldn't, in front of my children, show them that I'm giving myself a hard time um, because I think a lot of this is I'd like, how would I like my children to live as adults? Not what do I want my child to do now to make life comfortable for me and to please the rest of the world? How do I want my daughter to be at the age of 20, 30, 40, 50? I want her to be able to say no. I want her to be able to 
have a walk if she needs to have a walk. I want her to be able to take a day off work if she has to, if she doesn't feel well. She was ring. I want her to value herself. And I think the only way to get that message through is by really valuing ourselves um, and, and showing them that you can do that. And then I was just thinking about, oh, yeah, the kindness piece, again, um, something I've observed a lot is when someone is obliged to be kind, it is not the same thing as a kindness that just comes from the heart because we want to be kind. And we do mostly want to be kind. We want other people to feel good. I think that's the natural state of a human being. So I think for our children, if our children feel safe and they feel loved and they don't feel competitive with everyone, they don't feel like they have to be the winner, there's just so much more space for kindness. Um, you know, if I was to say to one of my children, okay, I really need one of you to do this in a kind of a cross voice, they would do it, but I would there'd be an edge to it all. If I expressed a need that I need help because I'm feeling a bit tired or I tell them how I am, they'll leap up and they'll do it with a lot of love because that's what they want to do. So I think, again, it's just giving them that space and that trust um, and all of us being kind to all of us, including to ourselves, um, in whatever way that looks for us, you know, it will look very different, won't it, for all of us? Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. Uh, so, something that I notice is my kids are often a really good barometer for me around. Um, like sometimes I have that feeling in my body and I'm, I'm cluing in pretty quickly, but other times their responses or their body language will give me a pretty good clue around, um, yeah, just how conscious or intentional I'm being around something, uh, you know, and, and sometimes I will see them, uh, one of my kids in particular, I'll notice, I can tell he's not, it's not feeling comfortable for him, but he's trying to find a way to sort of do it to please me. But then he's also trying to decide if it's okay to say no. And, you know, that's a clue for me about how he sees me or about what my intentions are and whether my words actually have been matching how I've really been feeling. Um, so I do find it interesting to watch the way my different kids react to things, whether it's a request, whether it's a comment, um, because yeah, they're all so different. Right. And so I think I had, you know, one child in particular where that was always really clear how he was feeling. He was, he processed externally. Uh, if I asked something that wasn't a fit, that would be made pretty clear to me. And so I didn't have to do as much reflecting about it because it was, it was this very, very direct back and forth. But then sometimes, you know, sometimes kids are maybe those easier going personalities. And so I think it was you, Ashley, maybe talked about like our kids doing things that are easy for us or, pe or for people, you know, that kind of concept, I guess, of, of well-behaved. And yeah, that's, I've had to look more carefully, I think, at my intention um, with him because yeah, you, you can just see the wheels turning a little bit more. Um, because I don't think the easygoing necessarily means that they aren't still, that they don't still have a good sense of themselves, that they don't, um, they're not self-aware and don't have that self-determination. It just doesn't come up quite as quickly or as, uh, reactively 
maybe. So, um, yeah, I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on that, but I, I'm always just interested in watching those little clues that say to me, oh, this is feeling coercive to them right now, or this is feeling manipulative to them right now. And my words didn't necessarily intend this, but this is, or I didn't necessarily intend this with my words, but this is the energy that's kind of um, developing. Yeah, I do want to just quickly say, because what's coming up for me, Erin, is I'm thinking about my youngest, because my oldest is more like what you were just describing with your one kid, like I can kind of see I can kind of tell just by watching um, the external processing happening. And it's really helpful, like all the clues are there. And I can kind of like adjust and see what's you know, what impact I'm having. Um, But my youngest is more the way I think I am and the way I was as a kid. And that brings me a different set of worries, I guess, um, of the impact that that's having, because my youngest is just more likely to, like, he'd be described as easygoing. And, um, you know, if I ask him, um, or I'll make a comment, like, oh, you've been, um, watching this morning I said oh you've been watching YouTube for a long time I wonder how you're feeling because um he'll often say oh I'm so tired and I don't feel like getting up and we've talked about how well when we sit around for a long time just kind of passively watching something how that makes us feel so I just yeah I just said um oh you I've noticed you've been watching YouTube for quite a while this morning and he just easygoing just oh yeah okay and shut it off and jumped up and moved along and he often does things like that where I and I just think that was almost too easy (laughs) Um, from like the parent perspective right because my eldest is not like that so I have that comparison Um, but I do I do have this I think that's what I was like and you know 10 years ago I would have described my childhood as good and wonderful and fine and um, I was raised in an environment um, that really allowed me to you know feel comfortable who I am as an adult Um, and I I don't necessarily disagree with that now but I'm more critical I guess of um, how my easygoingness and my like I I look back and I think oh I wish I had have had um, someone encouraging me to listen to my inner voice more And I think that maybe didn't happen. I mean, who knows, but maybe it didn't happen because I was just that kind of easygoing kid who naturally just wanted to make sure whatever I was doing was good with everybody else. So I'm not saying, you know, one way is that I don't think any of us are saying one way is good or bad or anything like that, but just taking the time, I've been taking the time to really think about just how my kids naturally are, like their natural personalities, and then how I am with them and the impact that that might have. Um, because I think sometimes it's easy um, with, oh, I'll just speak for myself, like my youngest, just more easygoing. Um, it'd be kind of easy for me to not think about it too much or put too much thought into it. But I want to make sure I'm, um, yeah, not not having too much of a negative impact on them. That's not how I want to put it, but I know you guys know what I mean. (laughs) I'm wondering too, if, um, so something that's kind of coming up for me is if we're looking at it in the context of uh, unschooling and there can be this thought, I know, you know, I think early on, especially that it's almost like people want to get it right. And so again, there's a little bit of an irony to it. um, And that it, 
you know, some people, especially early on are feeling maybe they can't make too many suggestions or um, it has to be yes all the time, or, you know, they kind of need to be in a place where, you know, they let all sorts of things go. And then, and then sometimes it feels like a lot for people. And so then the tendency can be to, to kind of um, grip, get a grip again and claw things back again. And it can feel like a bit of a back and forth. And I wonder sometimes if um, people didn't come into it feeling like it's kind of an all or nothing thing, if it might be a gentler and easier process for, for people, because I do think that um, maybe people are thinking, well, you know, school is this, so we kind of need to do the opposite to this. Um, and it can involve a lot of quick kind of letting go or, or tossing things to the side. And, you know, I just, I think about that a little bit too, um, that there's kind of this, I think people can feel some pressure in the unschooling community about de-schooling. And, you know, I know sometimes there can be a feeling like if people are struggling in a certain area, whether that is, you know, certainly kind of screen time is one that comes up a lot, but, you know, other things even around maybe being nervous that their child's not reading or, you know, all the, all the different things that people are working through and figuring out. Um, maybe they're feeling at times that there's a bit of an external, uh, unschool police that's kind of saying oh you just haven't de-schooled enough you haven't let go enough you haven't let go enough and and it can be you know I think it can be hard because then they're sort of wrestling between maybe two sides of themselves one that wants to really embrace this way of being and another that's still you know it has years in the making of of seeing things a certain way and I also think it can be difficult for us to differentiate between um our intuition as a parent and maybe there is some work that we need to work through, but that can be a fine line at times to, to figure out. So yeah, I guess that's just something I think about as well as people thinking that they need to have this um, perfection in de-schooling and that de-schooling is sort of this continuum that the longer that you're at it, the more de-schooled you become. And on the one hand, I think there's some truth to that. Like I've found there's some truth to that. But on the other hand, I find that each new um, life stage and even each child with each life stage just brings stuff up for me. Um, like even this course that I'm talking about, I have a couple of other guys who did the same course as a prerequisite for something. And it was a completely different experience because they were literally checking a box they wanted to do this, they needed a prerequisite. And so they just kind of like, you know, buckled down and, and got it done. So my support in their process with that looked a certain way. It was very much maybe the way uh, Esther, you described that third person, it was like, okay, let's, you know, let's look at what's needed here, what's your time like, and kind of, you know, they just kind of powered through it. It's a whole new experience for my daughter, who is absolutely enjoying this course. And so she is working hours on things that are worth. So in my brain, not that much, right? Like not that much percentage. And she's aware of that, but she's so interested in the assignments that she's like dipping into them. My guys weren't that marks concerned. I mean, they wanted a decent enough mark to be able to meet their goal. Um, 
but she's been really interested in, you know, uh, like the, the one assignment she got quite a good mark, but not, you know, she was reading the teacher's comments and feeling a little bit misunderstood. I don't think that my guys cared that much. It was a good mark. They just wanted to move on. They weren't going to get into conversation with, with the teacher about it. Um, and then this last assignment, which is the one I kind of started writing about that I was telling you all about, um, she got a fantastic mark. Like she, I think the teacher probably found a way to bring her down from a hundred because it was just, it was really good. And she's really pleased about that. So I'm kind of navigating this, you know, she kind of comes running in to tell me her mark and I'm like, okay, this is, this is interesting (laughs) because I'd sort of figured out how to navigate checking the box to get these credits for a, a larger goal but this is a whole different experience to have somebody so immersed in this kind of more uh, traditional way of learning. Um, And it's all good and it's all interesting, but it's just, um, where was I even going with this? I think I was talking about the fact that de-schooling it's like each day still seems to be a new adventure. And um, yeah. (laughs) So, if I could jump jump in there, Erin, I was thinking like the thing about the word unschooling, it's I use the word a lot because it's kind of a shorthand. We all know what we're talking about, but I think it can be a prob- problematic as well, particularly when people get dogmatic about it. And like, this is what it is. And I would almost encourage people to get rid of the label, you know, like just throw that out and just see, OK, how do I mo- how do we best live? And just think, how do we how do we all live most happily? And that's probably a really good starting point as to, oh, um, are we supposed to do screens? Are we not? And then what you were describing there, I think is lovely because it just shows um, really the heart of all this is that we're all so different and we're navigating relationships is what we're actually doing. I think we're all just trying to hold our children in a way that that child thrives at that moment and that we can help them really just be there to support them kind of moving through life in a way that is meaningful to them so your daughter has found incredible meaning in sometime in something that your your other children didn't find much meaning in they kind of had to tick that box so i just think it's so interesting because that to me is what unschooling is it's this living with other human beings that are not you <laughs> function in an entirely different way from you um and trying to hold them in their kind of wholeness as themselves and accompanying that and just there are no recipes for that are there there aren't there's no okay here's how you do that you know except keep checking your own reactions that probably be the only keep checking your own responses mm-hmm. and the other thing i was thinking about when we feel it in the body something i'm very aware of when I am, you know, when you think you're, you know, you need to sort of help someone. So you, you, you feel something's needed from you, you can't quite tell what. So you give a little, you have a little go and then it's clear you've got it wrong. <laughs> so you pull back. You're, okay. Wasn't that? That's fine. And then you maybe try something else. I always feel that. I just feel it doesn't matter which child it is. They're all very different, but I feel it as resistance. I can feel that suddenly it sounds resistance. The thing I'm saying sounds silly. I can see it's not landing. It doesn't sound helpful. And all I can tell is that in that moment, this isn't quite right. And so then I'll pull back. And I think it's that. And then when everything is really, even in a difficult conversation, there can be flow. 
because we're understanding each other's needs and emotions and there can be flow even in a challenging situation and there can be resistance in quite a joyful situation. So it's that have we understood each other? Am I understanding your needs right now? Or am I getting it completely wrong? And if I do, I say, I'm sorry, I got that completely wrong. And then they let me try again. <laughs> you know. So I think it's just so, you're absolutely right. It's moment by moment. It's life unfolding, isn't it, really? And, and us kind of trying to keep up with it. <laughs> well, it is. And I think that that reminds me of that intention piece that, that mm. our kids mm. I are pretty, most of the time, <laughs> pretty open to us having those missteps. If they're feeling like, um, you know, most of the time we they they know that we're trying to listen that we're trying to understand that um even if we can't do something in the moment we're still considering that and so those are those pieces where i i think um that longevity that that sort of consistent relationship where they know that the relationship is important and that their wishes are important and excuse me yes we have those those moments where yeah, tension is a, a really good word for it. You can just kind of feel that in the air. Like this isn't quite landing. Um, and that there's space for that, you know, if, if things do kind of go off kilter, there's space for that repair. There's space to have that conversation. Um, yeah. And, you know, even that though, I, I have one kid who has said to me, you apologize to I know you're sorry you you don't need to apologize and so even then you're trying to get <laughs> it really is a dance it, I find because you're um like we are so complex as humans we are so complex and so I think that we when we come into this and we're reading and we're maybe um listening to podcasts and trying to understand about kind of how to move forward in these relationships as though there's a formula. Um, and it's just so it's disappointing at times that there isn't, but there isn't. And it's also beautiful because we just have to keep kind of, it's, it's kind of like every day is a new piece of work to navigate communication with, with one another. Um, and I think for me, once I recognized that, it just made it that piece of it easier it, it, it didn't feel so um, distressful that I had messed up. I, I still, if I say something that I feel is hurtful or I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. I don't, I don't like, none of us like that feeling, but I think understanding the complexity of these relationships and that that is going to happen. Um, but there is room for that conversation and that, that repair is really helpful. Um, the other thing, oh, sorry, go ahead, Haley. Yeah. No, no, you carry on. You carry on, Erin. Don't. No. Okay. No, I was just going to say too, this, this, this idea of like the imperfect thing. I think so many people come to, whether it's homeschooling or, or unschooling with that schooled mindset of, let me find out how this works. So here are the rules. And, you know, a lot of times you know, it's something like say yes more or, you know, all these different things, but often they're quite out of context, uh, aren't they? And so then I think, so then I think there's that potential to maybe get a little bit resentful of whoever gave us this information because it's not quite working this way, (laughs) 
with our child. And I've had moments of that as my kids have gotten older, because I think my initial message messaging was, and I don't know how much of this, I just, this was my own way of interpreting it. Right. But our, our, I think our tendency is to, to blame the, the person who gives the information, but this idea that, you know, we would kind of live this way and we would have this life of freedom, but that somehow it would still wrap around to, to all the same traditional milestones right at, at the end of those 20 years or whatever, when in fact, uh, kids who have had, uh, have had time, <clears throat> excuse me, with multi ages and lots of different opportunities often don't make conventional choices. And so, yeah, I, I don't know, even, even the struggle that we had accessing this course, you know, I had moments of irritation with, you know, all the early blogs that said, Oh yes, all the places will be dying to have your children come, <laughs> you know, all the, that messaging. And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm experiencing right now, but that's that very schooled way of thinking again. Like this is what they told me, you know, would happen about mm-hmm. this way of living and learning. And it's not quite working out this way. Um, so there's even some tension there, I think around, um, yeah, the, the, kind of unschooling culture or homeschooling culture. But sorry, Haley, go ahead. Well, I just what I was thinking when you were talking was about um, how two, th- two things can be true at the same time. Two seemingly opposite things can be true at the same time. I think quite a while back, Erin, you said something about you, um, you feel like as you go on, de-schooling should become easier. But then on the other hand, you're faced with more and more situations that are causing you to, um, I don't mean you, but us, we're faced with new things all the time, aren't we? As our children change and as we change and as people get older and um, that there are always new things. And it's almost um, that the idea of peeling back different, different layers and I think also the thing that I was thinking as well was around um, the idea of certainty. And the more we're kind of certain that one way is the right or one thing is the right thing to do, then that can pull us away from the kind of um, vastness of possibilities that there that there might be, really, that, there, you know, we can if we get too if we get too sure that this is the right thing to do, then we can miss so many other good things that might have, have come out. And I guess the other thing that I was thinking was, um, it, it, I'm sure it's true that it's often said about the fact that de-schooling is much more for us, the parents. So that that's kind of one thing that's true. But then there's also the truth that um, alongside that, having faith and confidence and trust in our children can help make that um can help make that easier I guess what I'm saying the the fact that if we can recognize that our children are already coming you know we all know don't we we all know that that our children are not a product entirely of us they are not they you know they don't come out as carbon copies of us and they're not you know we don't fill them up with all our stuff obviously we are you know we have a, a very powerful influence on them but they have so many skills and so much knowledge that we don't, you know, we don't know, you know, none of us know what's going on inside other people's minds. And yeah, and remembering that, I think, in these times where we think we need to know what the right thing to do is, remembering that, yeah, if we can look to them and remember that they also have so much 
that they're bringing to whatever the situation is and their own inner wisdom and stuff that can make that that can make things yeah take the pressure off us I guess that's what I'm thinking about (laughs) because we can we can get lost sometimes in in um, tying ourselves up in knots again we're coming back to the perfectionism I guess aren't we and thinking that there there is one right way to go and remembering I guess that there are so so many ways to see any any situation can be seen from so many different angles um and and you know that it's difficult for all of us to remember that sometimes because we can get entrenched especially if we're feeling worried and anxious about something we we can get sort of stuck on that track of 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 not being not remembering that actually yeah somebody else might come across this situation and see it in a completely different way um Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the things that I love about Esther. I'm sure it was you that I heard the term unraveling. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's natural, like if, if you just sort of said that, but it really stuck with me. Um, because as you said, I think we can get really caught in the language around, you know, unschooling and, and de-schooling are two sort of um, words that we hear a lot. But you know, I think this idea of unraveling, it just, it's so much more expansive because we can think about that beyond the school years. We can think about it in um, our interactions with people who uh, in choosing school. Like it's, it's not so uh, partnered with the idea of, of school. Um, it's just this idea for me, I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what your definition is, but when I, when I read you know, when I read, I think it was maybe an Instagram post, it just felt so much bigger and freer to me than being tied to this kind of concept of, of school. And that's really kind of helped me as well. Just think like it's, because I think when we think of de-schooling, we're thinking of the school years. And so you kind of have to get this done and do this work. And when you think about it as unraveling, it feels just like a lifetime (laughs) that we can do that with. Um, yeah, I think it's just uh, also that's a really lovely conclusion to come to, isn't it? When you go, oh, this is about life. This isn't just about school, which I'm sure we've all had that moment where we've gone, oh, yeah, okay. This is so much bigger. And I think going back to what you were saying earlier, Aaron, about people jumping in and then finding, okay, we're saying yes to everything and it's all too much. Or I think it's really important to go gently, you know, to unravel gently as, as at the speed that you can go at and with a lot of self-compassion, because I think it is deep work and it can be, it can have you questioning a lot of things. And um, so I think it's really important to when you find, you know, you bump into an edge, it's okay, stay there for a little while until you're over that edge, you know, move, move, move through it in whatever way. Um, yeah, and go at that pace that feels okay. The other thing about the yes, which I find really interesting, that idea of you say yes to your children. I'm actually, I think it's a really interesting idea, but I think it's totally off target because it's consent. You know, you sometimes you want to shake people and say, this is consent, folks. I'm not going to say yes unless it's a yes. I want my children to see that I say yes when it's a yes and I say no when it's a no. And that's been a real learning piece for me. Um but my children are well-versed in yeses and noes now. And so if I say yes to something and it's not a full yes because I'm tired or I'm, you know, busy, they know it's not a full yes. And they'll say, no, it's okay, no worries. Later, later. They won't have me. 
I am not welcome. I'm not welcome unless it's a full, actual, true consent. And I think that's really valuable. And this idea of, okay, just, you know, work yourself to the bone, give everything, never say no. I think that's really misleading to our children. Our children need to know when to feel into their own no as well and be able to say that. And I've noticed that when I say no to things, um, people don't mind because they understand I've said no because um, I've thought about it. I don't just go, oh, no, uh, you know, it's a thoughtful no. <laughs> um, or we might go, okay, yeah, but it can happen tomorrow. Or, yeah, it's not a no, that's it forever. So I think it's really important that people feel into the no and the yes themselves. Um, as, as kind of the base part of the base work of it, do you know what I mean? As they are, let's say, unraveling, if it feels really uncomfortable for them, whatever they're attempting, then maybe that's not quite right yet. Um, but I do think as you go on, it, something does get easier, which is you keep seeing proof that everything is okay and you gain in confidence because your children are doing these things just the way they are, the way they are as humans, the way they're talking, the way things that they're doing you see that actually yeah, they are thriving in so many ways. So I think for me, although I have my wobbles sometimes, that just because I know how steady they are as themselves, um, I could I catch myself on things, but they don't go very deep with things anymore because I, I see what solid people they are. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to address that yes, no piece and that, yeah, unraveling gently, very important. <laughs> I feel like that's a brilliant way to put it, actually, Esther, because I feel that I definitely, I feel that what you're saying. And I don't know that I, that I've ever kind of been able to articulate it that way. But yes, that, that kind of, um, idea of just saying yes to everything, it feels, hmm, I, it, it maybe feels inauthentic, I think. And maybe at first it doesn't like, maybe it's a little bit of a portal into working with your, um, maybe because traditionally or conventionally there's just been that there's, excuse me, there's been this idea of not saying yes too much or whatever. So, so mm. maybe it's a little bit of a way, kind of a, a portal into a different way of being, but I think if you have a very authentic relationship with your child already, it does start. To, they, yeah, you're right. They know when those are only like semi yeses or they are resistant yeses or, or the yes might kind of push you over the edge. Sometimes our kids get to know us better than we know ourselves around that kind of thing. And I just really love the way that, yeah, kind of you bringing that up and, and, and uh, saying it that way. And, I'm thinking of the conversation. We, we had a conversation with Missy Willis about uh, tech, like screen time technology. And I, I think it was in that conversation that we talked um, about this idea that we don't have to have it all figured out. Like not only do we not have to have it all figured out from like a parenting or an unschooling perspective, it's okay for our kids to know that we don't have things figured out. So, you know, a request for something or uh, whether it's, you know, getting something or going somewhere, it's okay for us to not be sure or to even that going back and forth. I think if we are honest about it, we can, we can say, you know what, I, I thought I was feeling comfortable with this, 
there's something I'm not really, there's something that's not kind of catching me the right way about this. So, you know, I'd like to rediscuss this or reevaluate or the other way, you know, I've certainly had lots of things where my kids were interested in something and I was uh, unsure or resistant. I mean, this happened a lot in the, on the online world, for sure, this happens or going out and doing things and you're just not quite sure. Um, and I've, you know, I've kind of moved forward carefully and then maybe a step back. And I've had conversations with the kids where I've said, you know, I really was much more worried about this than I needed to be. And I see that now. And, you know, thank you for kind of helping me understand that. And those are all just conversations that help our kids understand that the parent is not somebody that is the knower of all the things <laughs> or professes to be right. So just leaving that space. And, and I guess Esther, you're worrying about unraveling gently, you know, but for me, that's an example of how that can play out for me is not having to have the answers all the time. Um, taking that moment to say, I don't know, or being able to, to uh, backpedal a little bit. If, if I've jumped to, too far forward and I think that's all part of this idea that we just don't need to to get it right right away all the time um maybe there's not even a right because I think even those moments where I was a little bit resistant to to kind of have my kids move forward with something sure I could see that as having hang-ups or maybe somebody might say oh you know you didn't you you weren't de-schooled enough in this area or you were too uptight, but I don't know. I think if my kids can see that consistently it's coming from a place of me just wanting the best for them. Right. And, and, and just really kind of trying to uh, make sure that I kind of have the information that I need. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think sometimes in circles that idea can be that that's a bad thing, but I, I haven't found that that has breeded bred resentment I'm not sure what my wording is there I, I you know sometimes they'll laugh about things a little bit like remember when you were uncomfortable with this game or or whatever but it comes back to that intention like they know what my intention was so yeah yeah um Ashley I don't know if you find that I know your kids are a little bit younger and you've kind of been talking a little bit more about some of the older ages but um I don't know if that resonates at all with your guys. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think this is actually helpful for all parents to to think about this thing. But just listening to you guys talk, I was thinking about how valuable it is for home educating parents or unschooling parents to hear, because I think sometimes, or maybe often as home educating parents, we feel a lot of pressure, um, maybe and maybe all along, or maybe more in the earlier years, or at just different times, we feel a lot of pressure to say yes a lot and to be all the things for our kids because we are with them a lot. Um, and I know everybody home educates differently, so some some people like outsource more and stuff too. But I know I felt I've had to have talks with myself about um, not saying yes when it's not a yes, and. Um, and you know what that looks like. And I've had conversations with the kids about it. And one thing I often catch myself saying for quite some time now is 
um, something along the lines of, you know, mama doesn't want to say no. Like I'm trying to, you know, I want them to understand or, or see um, that uh, intention behind it. Um, you know, I'm not one to just say no for no reason um, and talk about it. And I don't know if it's because they're younger and, you know, they just want to watch this show so badly and they just want me to say yes and you know, it's not that I don't trust that they know what's best for them, but they just don't. It's a show they haven't seen yet. It's a show I haven't seen yet. So I just say, I need some time to look into this before I just say yes, but I don't know what, you know, what is in this show, just as an example. I mean, it could be a game, could be anything. Right now, there's there's a couple shows that they're, they're asking for, and it's a no right now. Um, and it might stay no for a while, but um, we have conversations about it and they're not afraid to continue to ask for it. Um, and they'll say things like, well, can, they'll say, they'll say, can you just, can you watch it and then decide, or can you look at, you know, look into it um, and see if it's appropriate and if it's okay. Um, but I think, yeah. And then there's other ways. Like, I like what you were saying, Esther, about the consent piece. I want to model that because going back to what you were saying a while ago too, I think like, our kids really do um, kind of become, they don't become us. They're their own person still. But I think, I mean, we feel it. I know I do certain things where I go, oh, that's a lot like my mom or that was a lot like my dad um, because that modeling is so powerful, right? When the people that we admire and the people we look up to and the people we trust, like really our parents, um, for a lot of us, they're our role models, whether we like it or not, Um we learn so much from them. So I do think um, I definitely want my kids to be able to say no um, to other people um, and to realize that when they say no to something, that leaves space for them to be saying yes to something else, whether it's yes to somebody else or yes to themselves. Um, yeah, and then Aaron, like what you were kind of saying, it is complex, right? Like um, all of it, we're also different. And then the relationships are also unique. But it's really helpful for me to hear from people who have older children. Um, because I think, yeah, mine are 10 and seven. And some days it feels like we've kind of been doing this for quite a while. But for the most part, I feel like we're still so much at the beginning. And I feel like they're still so young. Um so it's interesting for me to hear maybe how, what we're doing now, even though sometimes it feels hard, um, will have a positive impact now and later, but how it doesn't necessarily just make the future super easy. <laughs> like it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing practice. And it just makes sense because, yeah, we're all just in relationship with one another and we're all our own unique person. So, yeah, I find these conversations are very valuable and I have to have them often enough. Um, I don't just have this conversation or these types of conversations once and then I'm good. Like I have to keep coming back to it. That's a big part of what helps me. Um, that's the support, I guess, that I need to, um, yeah, feel confident in making all those decisions and just keeping me on the path that feels right. Um yeah, is hearing is hearing from others. So yeah, it's um, I think it, for people with younger children, and I'd be interested if um, Aaron and Haley see it like this too. 
I feel like you take away some kind of certainty, which is a bit of an illusion anyway, but <laughs> so we take that away. But what you get are people who um, are very equipped to navigate their own lives because they're very equipped to check in with themselves and go, oh, yeah, this feels right. This is a no. This is a yes. This place feels good for me. No, it doesn't. This course is a bit. Feels really meaningful. Oh, no, it doesn't. And I see people who will be incredibly well-resourced to navigate their own lives, whatever that may look like. And I haven't got a clue what that will look like. But I have an awful lot of confidence in their ability because they've had so much time and so much ability to to do that as 10-year-olds, as 7-year-olds. So I don't like that space. I don't want to go there. I do want to go there. Um, do you know what I mean? I've, it really, as people, I think, are very wise um, and, and quite connected. I don't know, Erin and Haley, if that's your feeling. Yeah, I, I, yeah I do. Definitely, Esther. I, I feel the same way. And I think... Um, the the whole thing about um self-compassion you mentioned it before didn't you that that by us being able to model those the model the kind of de-schooling process and the making mistakes and the having self-compassion and all that means for them I think that when they do um make mistakes or when they because because it's it's one thing knowing something but it's a different thing always being able to do that thing I guess and and as much as we know that um yeah that that de-schooling is is great and that we should be questioning our assumptions we can't always do that for instance you know if we're tired or we're in pain or we've got lots of other things going on and it's and and for our children to see that that i guess again it's like that thing about making mistakes and thing that, and when we get things wrong it's an opportunity rather than a you know you either um, I forgot what the saying is now. It's either um, and it's a good experience or you learn something. I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean, don't you? I can't think of the um, the little the, the the right phrase. But I think that is. I see that in my children. I guess I'm thinking. Um, yeah, when they make when they make mistakes, they're not spending the same amount of time that I am beating themselves up. I guess that's what I'm getting to. I think that that is a really a powerful thing to see. And they're more in tune with their own needs. So we've talked about this a lot on, on the podcast, but things like um, for me, sitting and reading a, a novel in the middle of the day still feels a bit naughty. I feel guilty. I feel like, you know, kind of almost like taking of myself is something that I you know I should be doing that last like that shouldn't be the first thing on my list whereas I want the opposite for my children I want them to feel like that is that you know that that because we talked about kindness earlier I think in order to be able to, to be kind to other people you need to have resources you need to have been kind enough to yourself and had the experience of other people being kind to you to be able to then give that to other to other people so I think that's a really powerful thing that I've noticed and that I love is that my children have, um, I guess, I feel they're more in touch with their own needs and are confident about kind of taking the time to meet those or asking for help if they need it, than perhaps is comes natural to me, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that makes, <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. And it's, 
I mean, we, we often reflect about this, don't we? Like how amazing it is that as different as we are as human beings, there's so much commonality <laughs> sometimes to our experiences because Esther and Haley, like I, yeah, I just relate to so much to what, what both of you said and, and being witness to that, like being witness to people who, um, do value themselves in a way that maybe, I mean, I don't think it's that we don't value ourselves, but you know what I mean, that, that they don't have to struggle through, uh, work through a bunch of shoulds to sit down and read that novel or to leave a job where they're not being treated well or a relationship where they're not, but you know, they, they just don't have to do, I don't think my experience is quite the same mental gymnastics to take care of themselves. And it doesn't mean that there aren't still a lot of things to think about and a lot of things to process when they're making these decisions, but it's somehow I've noticed it's just different. There's their sense of self is really quite different. And then the challenge for us as parents really is very, it really is very great to, to see that, to honor it, to value it, to validate it actually is the word I was looking for there. Um, because I think many of us are really working in a paradigm that we didn't grow up with. So, so I think back to that idea, Esther, of being gentle with ourselves. Um, yeah, like I think for many of us, and it's probably why there is so much writing and community kind of in this home education world, like you're saying, Ashley, go back to those. I almost picture it like an anchor when you're just describing that, um, you, we really, we really do need each other. I think to to go back and listen to those words and read those words and and connect with one another, um, because yeah, it's 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 a whole different paradigm is the word that keeps coming to my mind. But it's it's a different thing to support. Um, and there's nobody to. I mean, I've heard this said a lot. The responsibility that we take on, I think, is not to be understated. So I've often heard people say this, I, you know, I couldn't take my kids out of school. I wouldn't know what I was doing. And then like, almost like there's nobody to blame (laughs) if things don't go well. And I definitely feel that, you know, as, as, as my kids get older, it's like, it's, there's so much excitement and joy. And there's also this sense of like, um, yeah, it's almost like the weight of responsibility has hit me now almost a little bit harder it was like whoo that was a lot (laughs) you know if that Mm. makes sense it just yeah so anyway I might have taken that in a whole different direction Esther but I I really appreciated what you said there (laughs) that was yeah Mm. definitely so we've covered a lot I'm just kind of aware of our time um is there anything else is kind of jumping out for anybody before we sign off today? No, we're, we're good. Okay. Yeah. I feel, I really enjoyed this topic and I really, um, it it was just interesting. Some of the things that came up that I hadn't considered at all. So I always appreciate that part of it as well. And Esther, thank you so much for connecting and, um, connecting short notice. It just was really (laughs) a nice spontaneous thing to to have you be able to join us today so we will i'll make sure to link at the bottom of the episode where people can find you and all the things that you have 
to offer because you have a podcast and a blog and I know some parenting workshops as well. So, and I think everything is sort of under the umbrella of, is it, do you want, I'll I'll link, but why don't you tell me now as well? And then people can. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Erin. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely lovely talking with you all. Um, yeah, so my website is um, esther-jones.com and the blog, the podcast, and workshops uh, all there. All thank right, you. there. Perfect. Okay. All right. Really nice to see you all today. Have a good rest of Bye. your day. Bye-bye. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and maybe helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Haley can be found on the web and on Instagram at Taking a Kinder Path. Erin can be found at Everlearning. And I, Ashley, can be found on Instagram at Mama and at Storytime Shelves. We'd be very grateful if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.